Hello, it's Thursday the 8th of February. I'm Alex von Tunzelman and I'm singing in the rain. I'm laughing at clouds. I'm not laughing. The Met Office has issued weather warnings. Please be careful out there. <laughs> Welcome back to Paper Cuts, the modern newspaper review. Every day we sieve the weevils out of the British press and use the moderately clean flour that remains to bake you a delicious media loaf. Before we get into the show, you... Yes, you, you fine person, can help us keep going by joining the Paper Cuts Supporters Club. The Supporters Club is our bedrock. We've built the whole show on you, supporters. We massively appreciate that you're helping to support independent media when everything's falling apart. You can do that huge thing for yourself and the world for less than the price of a coffee a month. Three quid, fam, get in. And we'll thank you with no ads and instead give you a secret extra bit of the show every day. There's a link in the show notes. Now, here are the top stories for today's show. The world's most tactless man, Rishi Sunak, decides to make a joke about trans people while Brianna Jay's mother visits Parliament. Rien de sexe, s'il vous plaît. <laughs> France in the grip of a sex recession. And are you going herring throwing? Bizarre rituals to welcome the coming spring. Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts, where we're never going low carb on the news. I'm Alex von Tunzelman, and with me today is Podmaster's head honcho, about to enter his third week of Jürgen Klopp morning, Andrew Harrison. Hello, Alex. Sorry to remind you. Yeah. Um, and also with me is comedian, partway through his first week of recording a radio drama, Fergus Craig. Hi, guys. What are the front pages looking like, Andrew? Well, it's a bit of a motley crew today. The Guardian has revealed Moan told government she wouldn't benefit from PPA, PPE deal. This is Ra Baroness Michelle Moan having told the government that she wouldn't make any money from the, uh, the the deal she was facilitating. And it turned out that, guess what? She actually did make money from the deals that she was facilitating. All the money. Loads mm, of money. Loads of money. My role is to help the NHS deliver and ultimately save lives, says the possibly ironic pull quote. The Guardian also has... <laughs> <laughs> Brianna Jay's father condemns Sunak's dehumanising trans jibe and Starmer to scale back £28 billion green proposals, which I think we, the pitch had been rolled for that one. We've been expecting that for a while. Uh, the I. Viagra linked to reduced risk of Alzheimer's, which is a bit of an outlier. Not many other papers are leading on that. Quite a good story, though. Quite a good story. Happy yes. Story. Yes, to uh, that's, balance your meds with the young British men em- embracing misogynistic politics. Oh. Not quite such a happy story. story. And Labour U turns on scrapping the House of Lords. Oh. It's doing a good job, says the quote. I don't know who that's from. I mean, come on, no, it isn't. Well, come on, get rid of them. Big. There's a huge debate we could have there. Let's not have it. <laughs> um, the Times. Putin's spy infiltrated Britain's intelligence. Suspected agent met Charles and former Prime Minister. Years of access to secrets after asylum. Given. That's quite a good and a meaty story in the Bit Times. Bit of a whoopsie. Bit of a whoopsie. And they've also uh, led on a picture that everybody, we'll be talking about this in a minute as well, everybody is leading on this picture of Tom Cruise and the Prince of Wales looking like I don't know some kind of hail and pace uh, yeah, remake the old act. couple they've yeah. both got uh, tuxedos on and it's a charity fundraising gala during William's first day back on royal duties everybody's going mad on the Top Gun puns as we will see later and finally the Daily Telegraph same picture Prince gives thanks to the nation and Tom Cruise looking Weirdly youthful. Mm, uh, he's got a strange face on, hasn't Very he? strange mm. face. Uh, Telegraph's leaders, migration won't save UK from debt crisis. Funny that, that the Daily Telegraph doesn't fancy <laughs> migration. Why would that be? I don't know. 
And across the top, the strap, uh, Alistair Heath is having another normal one. Electric car <laughs> zealots have sold as a monstrous deception, he says, with his byline picture that looks like his head is going to explode in scanners, yes. as it always does. They cut off the top of it, but you could draw a sort of explosion coming out yeah, of it. Yeah, like it was you? opening up like Monty Python with a load of screaming madness coming out. <laughs> There's also, we never ever talk about the Daily Express front page, but this one is an absolute perler. The Daily Express, has PM opened door to an amazing Boris comeback? <laughs> Questions to which the answer is no. The Daily Express is, you know, like when Margaret Thatcher left office and they created a fake number 10 office so that she thought she was still prime minister. Aww. The Express is like a paper you leave around care homes to comfort <laughs> the, you know, the afflicted as they kind of spiral downwards. Don't worry, Boris is coming back. It's all going to be fine. Oh my God, they're just alternative universe stuff. Absolutely. In the Express. Bizarro universe. Absolutely mad. Fergus, what have we got on the tabloids? I have the Daily Mirror, which has uh, that story about PMQs yesterday, uh, Rishi's uh, jokes about trans people. Uh, Shame on you. The Daily Mail has the King and Prince William. Thank you so much for all your kindness. Uh, that's the headline. Uh, and just to anybody in particular, to all of us, we all oh, kind. You've all been people. so kind. All been so, so kind. Prince William last right night thanked the nation for its kind messages of support for his wife and father. On the same theme, the Sun has that picture of Prince William and Tom Cruise looking. Weirder as the years go on. <laughs> <laughs> and the headline is Top Sun. <laughs> yeah. Well, they've actually made the Top Gun logo, they've haven't made, they? They've they made, have. They've so really it, gone for it. It's really, really strange. I think sometimes it's a case of like, just because the pun's there, yeah, yeah. maybe don't do it. I mean, it's pretty vicious, isn't it? I mean, I don't think Prince Harry looks at the papers anymore, but it is pretty much like, this is the good one. The it's other a, one's rubbish. It's it's so odd because the story is that Prince Harry flew across continents mm. to visit his father after his cancer diagnosis. Yeah. In an aeroplane. Yeah. And Prince William met Tom Cruise. Stood. But the way it's been played in the papers because of who the yeah. goodies and baddies are mm. is that somehow that makes Prince William... The better of the pair. Yeah, there's yeah. a Whereas line. if those roles were reversed, it would so obviously be like Prince William is at his father's bedside whilst Harry is gallivanting with Tom Cruise. So if it was Harry standing next to Tom Cruise, what Tom Cruise movie would they have gone with? Succession Impossible or something. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, Some kind of dish. Oh, that off the top of your head. Cocktail with cock underlined. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like that. I and I love at the Rain top man. this little thing saying, Prince, back to work as Harry jets off. Back to work. I mean, this is work. He's just like having his picture taken with Tom Cruise. Yeah, he does the bins. At the coal face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to think of Tom Cruise movie puns now. <laughs> Eyes wide. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and then finally, I've got the Daily Star, which, as is usual for at least 50% of its front pages, goes with the weather. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, the headline is Return of the Beast from the East. Apparently, we've got a deadly monster storm on the way. 
Now, the main story of the day today is yet another horribly crass clangor from Rishi Sunak. Yesterday, Esther Jay, the mother of murdered trans teenager Brianna Jay, visited Parliament. Keir Starmer played tribute to her for her incredible dignity. But for some reason, the Prime Minister thought this was an opportune moment to make an anti-trans jibe. Andrew, what the heck? This is such a strange and revealing thing. After Sunak's stupid bet with Piers Morgan, mm. where he could at least say he kind of got backed into a corner and reacted badly, this was him on his initiative making a pretty crass, pretty tasteless joke. But he's just trying to make this convoluted point about Starmer's U-turns. The actual quote was, I think I counted more than 30 in the last year. Pensions, planning peerages, public sector pay, tuition fees, childcare, second referendums, defining a woman. Although in fairness, that was only 99% of a U-turn. And this is a reference to Starmer saying sometime a while back, 99% of women do not have penises. It's like, it's so convoluted, so contorted. And you can see that the only audience he's talking to is a little donut of smirking sycophants that are around him and even they are not that impressed the overriding impression this week is that Sunak is a weak and desperate figure who wants to impress the bigger boys and the bigger boys are impressed by you saying the unsayable, saying naughty things but he just can't carry it off, there's a fantastic sketch in the Times by Tom Peck where Tom he's a friend of the podcast Tom Peck Mm -hmm. Tom has positioned himself in the gallery where he can actually see down and see Sunak's notes and all of his snappy rejoinders are written down in his little binder and colour coded with pictures pictures of the likely MPs who are likely to to uh, to raise a particular point and a pre-scripted snappy answer this is not Commons oratory. This is not mastery of the chamber. This is a joke dispensing machine full of bad jokes. And the idea that he couldn't read the room, yeah, is tells you an awful lot. That's sort of by the by, isn't it? That they all prime ministers will always have their binder full of responses. It's all there, but it's an an inability on Rishi Sunak's part to play the moment, to recognise what's going on in the room, to listen and realise now might not be the best time to make that comment. But it's also revealing that then in the aftermath of it, people were quibbling, well, ah, actually, she had only arrived 15 minutes into PMQ, so therefore she wasn't there when he made that comment, which presumably what you're saying is like, Oh, well, I agree that it's wrong to make that comment if she's there, but it's okay to make it if she's not there, which is quite yeah. revealing. What if she's watching right? on telly? What if she reads it in the paper? What if somebody tells her about it? This is nonsense. It's it, it's a really crass point to make, isn't it? It's a sad thing that happens quite a lot, isn't it? When there is a big, tragic case like this and the parents decide to campaign, they'll often become part of the news yeah. cycle. And once they're meeting politicians, then they just become this football. But in a way, did Sunak kind of making this horrendous, I think, misstep and blunder kind of give Starmer a chance, didn't it? It it kind of let Keir Starmer look really dignified. He'd just paid tribute to Esther J. He then kind of basically... I mean, pretty much slapped Rishi Sunak straight down. And I mean, today he's announcing scaling back of this £28 billion green investment plan. Obviously, from the left of his party, there's a lot of upset about that. But in a way, I think this has sort of slightly taken the funk off that, perhaps. I think that it's the other way around. I think that the £28 thing being announced today has slightly let Sunak off the hook. 
for what was a bad day for him yesterday. That's what I think. But if you if you measure these things by, and we talk about this a lot in the back room of the podcast, don't we? What's water cooler? What are people mm. actually talking about? Lots of people are talking about the trans comments that CNAC mm. made. The 28 billion green fund has been heavily trailed for many, many days. There's a lot of conversation about uh, comparing Starmer's build-up to the election to Blair's build-up. When you look back to what Blair was doing in 1997, I'm old enough to remember it, there was a, such a great deal of imprecision. There weren't concrete promises. It was all vibes. And this is of a part with that. You know, you don't make a concrete-costed uh, commitment. What I thought was interesting about what's gone down with the with Sunak's comments about trans people or trans issues is the way the papers have handled it and they've gone right along party lines as you might expect the guardian peter walker's comment was was sunak's rhetoric just a case of political clumsiness or does he simply not care i think that's pretty kind you know it's kind of you know the idea that you know he may just be inept in the, in the chamber but everywhere else the telegraph labor accused of weaponizing brianna murder by badenoch times Badenoch, Labour using Brianna case for point scoring, even though they've got that really great Tom I mean, Peck piece in there. I suppose it also kind of hilarious. I mean, the Times the Telegraph have done so many anti-trans stories in the last couple yeah. of years, they're using it politically and for point scoring constantly. Yeah. I mean, this is pure naked hypocrisy. And the absolute cherry on the top is Quentin Letts. Po oh, podcast favourite Quentin Letts, the <laughs> male's sketch writer. I don't know if anybody remembers Salacious Crumb from Star Wars who pops around on the back of Jabba the Hood. That's Quentin Letts. <laughs> Starmer spotted an opportunity for outrage and drew himself up into a hissing cat of priggish disbelief. To which my response is, fuck off Quentin Letts. Yeah, I mean, that's the only response to Quentin mm. Letts quite honestly, I, isn't it? I think it was quite interesting the way it played out yesterday, though. The way Sunak, I think, possibly could have credibly said he hadn't, because well, he, I think he has said that he didn't pick up on the fact that Esther J was in yeah. the chamber. And there were calls for him to apologise. Apparently, number 10 were discussing, do we need to make an apology? And then Badenoch came out with those tweets saying that what Keir Starmer had done was disgraceful and he was weaponising grief. And then that left Sunak in a position where he couldn't, he could no longer apologise yeah. because one of his front benchers had flipped it around. Yeah. But the way it just gets turned into this horrible abstract chess game. Yeah. Really I mean, ugly. and we have had, I mean, on the front page of The Guardian, uh, Brianna Jay's father, Peter Spooner, has called for Sunak to apologise, you know, saying for the prime minister of our country to come out with degrading comments like he did, regardless of them being related to discussions in parliament, they're absolutely dehumanising. And I mean, I think that should be, it really should be the bottom line here yeah. is that, you know, a young woman is dead, her family are devastated and you just don't talk like that in yeah. parliament if you're prime minister. Now let's go across the channel, or maybe we shouldn't bother. The Guardian, Times, Telegraph, all of them are reporting that Europe is in the grip of a French sex recession. <laughs> Fergus, what's happening or not happening? Some kind of poll has come out uh, <laughs> suggesting that the French are having less sex than they used to. Apparently it applies to pretty much everywhere, but the fact that it applies to France has sent everyone into a panic because I guess the Nash, the the way the world sees France is that they're just at it twenty four seven. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, actually, I don't want to reveal too much about myself and the way I see sex. 
But it's it. <laughs> What's the podcast for then? Well, it's it's saying here twenty four percent. This is the shocking stat. Apparently, twenty four percent of French adults between the ages of eighteen and sixty nine said they had not had sex in the previous twelve months. I look at that and I think that means that seventy six percent. Of 18 to 69-year-olds have had sex yeah. in the last 12 months. And I would have thought that's quite a lot. I'd want to look, dig into the granular detail there, because an 18-year-old and a 69-year-old are quite different, aren't they? Mind you, French 69-year-old, who knows? Mm. Probably at, it like, at it like a sewing machine. Mm. Yes. yes. I, I mean, just keep hearing 69. But it has, uh, it has, I mean, that's an incredible increase, though, in the numbers. 2006, 9% of French adults said they hadn't had sex in the previous 12 months. So Which they really is were mental. That means that's 91% percent of that whole i am rather suspicious of these surveys though because particularly when you hear these surveys about the under 15s are having sex ask any boy (laughs) under 15 are you having sex yeah all the time shagging everybody yeah yeah (laughs) well i mean actually it's not just them as well as everyone lies about sex i mean this is actually a consistent problem in all sex surveys but i suppose what's quite interesting is the numbers clearly have shifted and so even if people are lying they want to lie differently now Yes. So perhaps the perception is different from 2006. They've also got, I mean, this is perhaps striking in the younger generation between the ages of 18 and 24, 28% of the French are now defining themselves as celibate. That's up from 5%. But you've got the kind of social effect, haven't you? Where if, you know, if everything you're reading and hearing across conventional and social media is about the awfulness of the modern world and the ennui that's gripping us and, oh, there's just been a pandemic and, oh, people are you know, disappearing to you know, watch Netflix on their own. Who's more susceptible to the idea of ennui than the French? Oh, I'm having less <laughs> sex because I'm gripped with ennui. There's a great bit in the Times piece uh, by Agnes Poirier talking about uh, her generation uh, in the uh, the 80s and the 90s. We too wanted our share of lightheartedness and libertinage. We just didn't want to die in the process. She's talking about AIDS. We had little or no access to porn. Screens hadn't quite entered our lives and we had been fed on Baudelaire and existentialism, a heady introduction to seduction. Now, Baudelaire and existentialism, existentialism it's not working for me. <laughs> Does that not get you going? No. If you think about the baby boom yeah, in the sort of late mm. 40s, 50s, that came about, there was nothing to do really, was there? Like, well, also, quite a lot of the no men had been, had been at war for six years yeah. and had built up quite a head of steam, shall we say. <laughs> yeah. So also, that's what we need. And we was need a, consumer a war. Boom. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, there, there was a consumer boom as well, which, you know, both related, mm. both kind of, the, the one drove the other, didn't it? Yeah. So is it that we're just getting depressed because of climate change and stuff? I mean, really, what's the point? Carrying on having kids, might as well sit at home. But then couldn't we also respond to that by being like, I mean, God, what's the one thing that's going to relieve this boredom and give us hope? And, it, and it's free, mostly. Mostly free. Yeah, yeah. Possibly so. But um, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's stuff in here in the Times story. President Macron has introduced measures to boost France's stamina. Ooh, with la free, la. free infer- infertility checks and treatment for young people. He may have to go much further, though, make classics of French literature and French cinema compulsory from an early age if he wants to switch on the erotic gene in France's DNA again. I think what we're getting to here is the core of this story is newspapers love running pi- sexy stock pictures of sexy French women <laughs> looking longingly over balconies in Paris or sort of running their fingers through their hair and getting 2,000 words of something to get the blood flowing over breakfast. And it is happening everywhere, isn't it, Fergus? They've got uh, everywhere in that piece. It says Spain, Germany, Netherlands and Britain all having similar declines. So is US, Japan, Australia. One place, though. One place is still sexy. Italy. Yay! Apparently. And (laughs) I would suggest that's perhaps because 
from my experience, Italy has the worst broadband in Europe. (laughs) (laughs) Now on Paper Cuts, we love a corny-ass headline. And every day we hope the British papers will deliver some absolute corkers. Are they coming through for us today? It's a bumper crop today, Alex. We've got a couple in the sun. Story on Nanny State Foreign Office tells footy fans German beer is strong with a... Very strange, possibly photoshopped image of uh, Harry Kane in Lederhosen with a huge pint. <laughs> Footy fans heading to Euro 24 have been warned by nannying officials to go easy on the beer because the German stuff is stronger. Headline, are they taking the pills? Oh, they're, nice. They're quite impressed by nice, that. Nice, you know not I mean? bad, yeah. The sun is a force for evil in the world, but the headline game is very strong. Also on page 25 of this uh, evil newspaper... Um, <laughs> Christians are to protest against a silent 1990s disco at Canterbury Cathedral, saying they do not want to rave to Eminem in God's house. Headline, fury over knave rave. I'm quite knave impressed. Rave. Knave rave. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Like, yes, is Eminem raving? I don't is think it? he is. Are no. kids listening to Eminem? I think the parents are listening As long as it's on silent disco, who knows and who cares? <laughs> Fergus, what have you got for us? Emma Watson's car got towed away. Oh, no. Yeah, she parked it in the wrong place in Stratford-upon-Avon. Well. The headline is Expelli Carmus. (laughs) Oh, oh, pretty good. Pretty good little Harry Potter joke. That's in the Daily Mail. And unusually, there's another good headline in the Daily Mail today. Basically, Princess Anne wore a purple coat. (laughs) That's the story. (laughs) That's the story. And the headline is Purple Rain. R-E-I-G, yeah, very good. follows mum's footsteps in striking checked coat. Yeah, it's the same coat. They've got a picture of the Queen also in a purple coat, the late Queen. Purple rain. So, yeah, sometimes the royals wear purple. And, Andrew, I believe today you have a special treat I've got a special treat, yes. It's Sub-Editor Appreciation Day on Paper Cuts. Oh, uh, we love you, Sub-Editors. As the listeners may know, the Sub-Editors are are the ones who write the headlines. They're the ones who torment themselves on the bench to try and get a really good headline. And I'm a member of a Facebook group called Horny Handed Subs of Toil, where people share their, their, you know, their... Their joy and pain and misery and ask for hints and tips. And they did a thread over the weekend on terrible, terrible clangers that they'd done, awful mistakes. And I asked if I could uh, read a few out because they're brilliant. Marco Rossi let a story go through uh, about breast cancer awareness moth. Oh, no. You know, they, you know, oh, we, no. We all remember breast cancer awareness moth, don't the we? moth. Yes. <laughs> uh, Patsy Chapman uh, mentioned the famous actor Dustbin Hoffman in an intro. <laughs> That's quite funny. <laughs> and Trisha Johnson, Princess Lousy of Norway. <laughs> Our favourite royal there. Uh, Mike Sullivan, I sent a magazine to print with Harry Potter on it, only saved by the printer. And my old boss, Katie Bowen Bravery at Saga magazine, failed to spot that spellcheck had turned Shom's Elysee to Shom's eyebrows. <laughs> Presumably that's where the arch to triumph is. Oh, very nice. Go. And my favourite of the lot was Jennifer Wignall, writing about the famous pallid actress... Pasty Kensit. So remember to hug your local sub-editor. They're trying hard for you. Oh, bless you guys. You do so much work for us. We love you. leave the news aside, put on your fluffy slippers and hunker down into the squidgy sofa of the middle pages. It's the feature sections. And as a great fan of The Wicker Man, possibly not the most comfy slipper reference, I am quite obsessed with Emma Beddington's feature in The Guardian today of Carnival Rights to Welcome Spring. Fergus, what's going on here? I found this piece really hard to sort of digest. Basically, (laughs) 
I don't know, it, it, it's a fault of my own and not the piece. Basically, what Emma Beddington has done is she's gone through some of the various rituals that different cultures and time periods uh, did to mark the beginning of spring. There's some really odd stuff, as you might expect, but I found it like reading a fantasy novel like, read, like <laughs> or watching Game of Thrones or something, I, Lord of the Rings. I can't process this kind of stuff. There's just so many odd things per sentence. <laughs> My brain finds it very difficult to engage with. There is some very weird stuff that, that different cultures have done. It's like a dozen different Wicker Men things around Europe, isn't there? There's, mm. there's, uh, there's um, the Carnival of Basel, which has got a lot of hook-nosed um, masks for uh, people who dress up as old ladies. Um, mm. In the Osei Carnival, the photograph there is astonishing. It's some kind of... I mean, all of these look like Doctor Who monsters. They, they, yeah, they're they strange, pointy-hatted creatures. At the Carnival of Nice, a giant woman is riding a giant prawn through the crowds. It's awesome. I think awesome. that's a lobster. Is it? Prawn, lobster, whatever. It's bloody enormous. Um, <laughs> at uh, Kurontovanje in Slovenia, I don't know whether that's supposed to be uh, the original bungle from Rainbow or just some kind of terrifying yeti, <laughs> but it's a kind of snorkel-nosed hairy beast giving two ladies a lovely hug and everybody seems very happy. And you look at it and you just think, AI's really gone mad here. <laughs> There's a lot of throwing things, isn't there? Onions, these... uh, Onions, oranges, straw, just killing fake bears, you know, to symbolise the changeover of, you know, right. the seasons, all that kind of stuff. Is that what that does? <laughs> Apparently so. You know, somebody dressed up as a bear. I mean, basically, it's like midsummer the movie... Is, mm. Everybody's got their version of this somewhere, except it's in spring. It's really weird, isn't it? That like, why is this? Something must be deeply embedded with an in us as humans it's that we've fun, yeah that fundamental we paganism. These different cultures who were not necessarily like in contact with each other just all went a bit mental, and just as spring approached, just did yeah. these really odd things. Well, they all have the Cold same winter. pagan roots, don't they? You know, the, the days start to, you know, the sun starts to uh, appear later in the day. You've got longer days, brighter, you know, plants and flowers. Everything's, everything's coming alive again. This will probably sort out the French with their sex problem, I would have thought. Yeah, yeah, be fine. Um, It'll be at long, it. Warm evenings. And there just seems to be a desire to plunge yourself into the strange and irrational and dress up like the Bulgarian Kukeri who have conical masks made of animal skin. Emma Beddington describes them as looking like an R-rated Morris Sandak drawing um, in <laughs> all their horrifying diversity. It looks and sounds incredible, but I imagine you would never sleep again if you attended. Uh, Kukeri were apparently designed to inspire fear and terror in the evil forces threatening the farmer and his labour throughout the year. To be honest with you, looking at these guys, I think I'd rather have the evil forces because these <laughs> characters here look like, I don't like yet again, monsters. They just look like monsters. Do we have any rituals to welcome spring, Fergus? What will you be doing? I'll just be following the Premier League title running. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Evil I'm, forces. I'm, I'm, I'm looking the city. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the American traitors being on. Yes. See, this is why we should be getting back in touch with our pagan roots. Yeah. We should we should we should all dress up as Morris people for the next edition of this podcast, you know, and reconnect to the land. Okay. And possibly you first. <laughs> burn Quentin Letts in a in a wicker man, you know, that kind of thing. If anyone wants me, I should be riding a giant lobster. And that's the end of today's paper cuts. 
Thanks to Andrew Harrison. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Fergus Craig. Thank you. Don't forget the Paper Cuts Supporters Club. Just three quid a month for all this and more, more, more. Head over to back.papercutshow.com and follow the link in the show notes. You know who hasn't forgotten our supporters club? That'd be our supporters. Let's say a big thank you to three of those superstars now. Welcome aboard and thank you for funding one catering pack of post-it notes to Kath Moore. Hello and thanks for enabling us to buy six coffees to wake the panel up in the morning. Shoe Smith. And thank you for your generosity, which has enabled us to buy a squeaky Rishi Sunak for office dog cheese to destroy. Victoria Leem. I've been Alex von Tunzelman and you've been listening to Paper Cuts on a day when not only are they going to take away our breakaways, but 90s dinnertime favourite turkey dinosaurs might be phased out. All part of a drive towards healthy eating, apparently. Turkey dinosaurs going extinct? Must have been hit by a meteor. See you tomorrow. Paper Cuts was written and presented by Alex von Tunzelman with Fergus Craig and Podmasters Group Editor Andrew Harrison. The producer was Liam Tate, assistant producer was Adam Wright, and audio producer was me, Jade Bailey. Music is by Simon Williams, socials by Jess Harpin, design by Jim Parrott, with original art by Modern Toss. The executive producer is Martin Boytosh, and the managing editor is Jacob Jarvis. Paper Cuts is a Podmasters production. Thank you.